Hello and welcome to episode 120 of Inside Music. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and it's great to be with you again. My guest this week is none other than Jenna Pell, the founder of the Catalyst Publicity Group and one of the first guests we ever had on the show. Jen was on almost 100 episodes ago with her then co-owner, but since that time, a lot has changed for Jen. She is back to being the head of the company on her own, and she has a wonderful team of publicists working underneath her and a huge roster of talent which is what she's on the show to discuss well that's part of what she's on the show to discuss jen and i get into a lot of things because we've known each other for some time including the future of the music industry a theme that seems to be coming up on the show a lot recently but you know the business is in a state of flux and jen and i are both two people who spend a lot of time thinking about where things are headed where things may be going and whether or not we're on the right side of it all which is something that comes up a lot in this episode. So if you're somebody that spends a lot of time thinking, can I get a career in music? If I can, where should I be looking? And will that career last? This might be the episode for you. And if you're not interested in any of those things, I I think there's still something in here you'll enjoy. Before we get to the episode, there are a few things I want to bring to your attention. Number one, that this episode of Inside Music is brought to you by Holix, the music industry's leading promotional distribution company. What that means is that Holix works with record labels, managers, and independent artists from all over the world to share new and unreleased music without fear of piracy. Should leaks occur, Holix has technology to not only figure out who is responsible for the leak, but stop the spread of your files online. For more information on this and access to a free 30-day trial, visit holix.com. That's H-A-U-L-I-X.com. You can also find the show on the Holix blog, holixdaily.com, as well as on Twitter, at Inside Music Pod. That's Inside Music P-O-D. Finally, as the show is picking up steam once again, I want to encourage you to tell your friends about Inside Music. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. The show is there. Please subscribe and tell all of your friends. It helps us bring on bigger guests, helps us continue making more episodes of the show. Now I'm going to play a little bit of music from one of Jen's artists, and we are going to get right to the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Love me like I'm sick, honey, I can keep them demons down for them, babe Yeah, you never wanna die, I never wanna live, so Love me like I'm sick, love me like I'm sick You should know by now that I am over From the drawer before I burn up, yeah, I burn up on your bedroom floor. If I could, I would, I'd end this war. But my head is a pole and your love is a storm. I hear that you ain't a fan of my soul. Send my regards to the wishing well and love me like I'm sick. Love me like I'm sick. It is pretty cold here. I won't lie to you. Oh, gosh. I know. I saw, like, all of the um, Super Bowl stuff, and I was like, man, it must be frigid up there. I can't even. Like, you just get used to it. I mean, it's like 20 degrees, and you're just used to it. Yeah. And then when it, like, goes up to 40, you're like, hell yeah, shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> I definitely, like, was tempted to crack my window, and it was, like, 36 last week. Jeez. I don't know why you don't just come and like be a snowbird in Florida. 
I, I really should. Like, I should just, like, sublet my apartment for six months and then move back when it's nice. Seriously. I mean, it's, like, 85 degrees out right now. It's so pretty. Like, nobody needs to live in the cold. I'll just, like, take in all the winter people and just have them come live in my one-bedroom apartment. Mm. That's what I'll have to start doing. I think that's a, that's very kind of you. I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So you ready to do this? Yeah, we already started. Oh. Yeah, we just dive right in. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny oh, that I you mentioned it. not moving to the cold because I like the last time I saw you because it's been forever. It's uh, You were like, maybe I'll move to Nashville and it gets cold in Nashville. It does get cold in Nashville. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would still love to live in Nashville. I think my dream is to one day have like house in Nashville, house in Florida. This way I can just like keep going back and forth and enjoy both cities. But I don't know, like it's so nice out. So I have a hard time, you know me, I can't just leave Florida and leave my family. No, I absolutely understand, especially like, I, you know, I'm, I'm in Michigan right now for like similar reasons. It's weird because you, I feel like there's still that uh, stigma that if you're in the industry, you have to move to one of those three big cities, but yeah. I feel like you and I have figured out how to not do that. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I work so much that I feel like if I lived in a city where I was required to go to meetings and go to shows and do more than what I'm doing now. I, I just, I think I'd burn myself out. Like, I don't think I could do that. So I, in a way kind of feel lucky that, I mean, like last night I worked until almost, I don't know, 11, 1130. And I went straight to bed and I was like, wow, I didn't do anything like that stinks. And my whole day was just working, but I couldn't imagine stopping work and then having to go to a show or, go to an event and then have to wake up the next day and still like be myself a hundred percent. I just, I don't think I can function like that. I know though, like the people that live in New York city and work till six and then go straight to a show till like two and then do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I just can't do it. I have no interest in doing it. I might be able to do it, but like it doesn't appeal to me at all. I don't know. I get sick very easily. I feel like if I, did that and didn't get enough sleep. I mean, not that like when I finish work, I'm doing anything crazy. It's mostly like walking target a hundred times a week. But other than that, like I really, I, I like can't do much. It just doesn't work for me. But I think that's like in between teaching and in between everything else. It's just, it's, it's very hard. You have to have really good life balance. Do you feel like you've perfected that yet? Lord, no. <laughs> um, if I had to like grade myself, because I am a teacher, so um, I'd say probably I'd give myself like an 85%. Like I feel like I've, as I turn 30, I feel like I've learned that life is, um, it's difficult. And if you let every single thing affect you, then you're going to be miserable. But if you let like whatever happens to you kind of happen, and look at the positive, then like, that's okay. But I think for me, I've sort of figured out what works best, you know, working wise, like, I know if I have to wake up at six o'clock in the morning to get my one hour workout in, and then work the rest of the day. And then if I'm tired by five, then I'm done. But like last night, 
felt like working and it felt great. And then this morning I woke up and I was like, now half my to-do list is already done because I did it last night. So I think it's having that balance of knowing like when you need a break, when you're okay to push yourself and when it's okay to just completely shut off, which doesn't happen very often, but I think it's a necessity. You have to, like, you definitely have to make sure that that balance is okay. And the only reason why I give myself an 85 is because I'm a workaholic and I'm the first one to admit that to me, working is fun. (laughs) So I think sometimes I forget that, um, that I've got a whole life outside of that. So sometimes I need a good kick in the butt to say, like you have friends and family that haven't seen you. And I get that from my mom a lot. (laughs) So, um, so I feel bad about that. I, uh, I'm like you, you and I both like turned 30 and, uh, got into like fitness a lot more because I've been watching your Instagram and that's like, seems like it's become a big part of your life since I last saw you. Yeah. I love it. I don't know. Like I started weightlifting and it's like really empowering. I don't know. It's like you start setting these like mini goals for yourself and it's finally something that's not work related. You know, now it's like for me and I even like challenge myself in like cooking and how I can find like really great food um, substitutes for things and trying to go all organic and just finding things that are like a little bit different. So what I've started doing, um, and this is advice that I started giving a couple of my friends who feel very burnt out in their jobs. Cause I feel like by the time you get to 30, you pretty much have been working almost 10 years professionally. And so by this point, like we're not quite at the point where we can retire. So we need to do something that uh, can kind of keep our brains moving, but like make us happy. And so what I started telling my friends was like, don't make your social media all about work, you know? So I've completely changed my whole Instagram. Not that I've like unfollowed people, but with like the algorithms and stuff, I just started following like food bloggers and fitness bloggers and lifestyle bloggers and all these like really great people on Instagram. And so now I'm starting to learn how to like cook better. I'm like looking at new fitness things. And for me, like having 10 minutes in the morning or 10 minutes at night or anytime in the middle of the day when I need a break and I go to Instagram, now that's like my, my way of like shutting off from work. And now I can actually like fine tune stuff for me. So that's the advice that I kept giving um, you know, some of my friends and family, like, you know, we're all in, not my friends and family who are in music, but for all of us that work in music, if we're following bands and labels and booking agencies and all sorts of, you know, publications, it really can inundate you. And I know for me, because I kind of have tunnel vision when it comes to work, if I'm just scrolling through my Facebook and my Instagram and all I'm consumed with is music and publications, my brain can't shut off. So I need to have some sort of outlet or some way to kind of not have that in my life a hundred percent. And that's healthy and that's okay. I don't know if that's something that you do as well, or if I'm just weird like that and have that in my life. I think, no, I'm coming around to that. I've definitely, um, I guess my goal going into this year was, I, I remember talking to Vince from Metal Blade at one point and he brought up the idea that, when you get to a position where you feel like secure to some extent and like your music, 
whatever it is, exposure, or like being part of the community, then you should set to trying to like develop other skills or other interests. And his, his thing was like video. And that's kind of been my thing. Like I was like, I want to learn how to do video editing this year. And I've kind of tried to slowly pivot into doing a little bit more of that with my free time. And fitness is another example. Or for me, it's like cooking to be more specific where it's like, okay, I'm going to like try to bring these other things into it. And I feel like it, it, it's this weird thing where I've started to look at, I guess, my personal brand as being more than just like, oh, I'm a music person because I feel like diversifying better you know, mm -hmm. makes that music brand better, I guess, for lack of better, lack of a better way. Yeah, to say it. <laughs> absolutely. I am. I'm building my own website right now, not for Catalyst, just for something 100% for fun that I'm like launching later this year, and I love it. Like I've become in my um, time in Indiana, I did a minor in graphic design. And even in high school, um, we had like a whole arts department that I was in, um, involved in and anything like graphic design related, I was like always obsessed with, and I always have been, and I've done internships in it before, but so now I'm building, um, a website and I'm like designing all the graphics for it and not doing any video video would be awesome to get into, but, um, it's very therapeutic. So I've been finding like a couple hours here and there and like, there's no pressure cause it's not a job. So I think having something that you can like fine tune your skill sets elsewhere that is not like detrimental to your career, or your job or your client, and there's no pressure to it. Like that to me is the greatest thing. Like I wish that I could take a few hours a week and read a book and I love reading I just don't have the mindset to like stop for a second and just focus on reading because my brain is always thinking. So I need something that's very creative, something to keep me kind of moving. But I think the next thing this year is I want to get into photography. I think that'll be my, my next thing, not to outshine my boyfriend, but <laughs> to definitely um, find some photo skills because it's becoming really something that everybody needs to know. So We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, let's let's talk about what is going on in Catalyst. Like, what's new with the Catalyst family? Yeah. So, 2018, um, we walked into this year um, kind of with like, wow, okay. Like, I had uh, taken all of um, the holiday, and I say quote unquote break because I didn't really take a break. That was like the most creative that I had ever felt, um, with Catalyst or at least for a long time where, um, a lot of what I wanted to do was really evaluate what's happening in the industry. And what's happening right now is there's this weird shift with publicity. So unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, it's very simple to get into the art of, of PR. So you don't necessarily have to have an educational background to become a publicist in this industry and there's no longer really this leverage of having a degree in publicity because there's so many tools that are available for um, getting into PR and marketing which is not a negative it's not a positive it's kind of this we're trying to figure it out in the industry so I basically took that as a challenge for 2017 and kind of looked at um, throughout the holidays when everybody was on a break of what we can do a little bit differently and to kind of re-strategize how we work with our clients because while it's really imperative that we get press for our clients, that's what we do as a PR company, 
um, it's even more imperative to look at the marketing behind it. So what I started doing was um, we're going through a process of really trying to learn inbound marketing and CRM and trying to look at the way that an artist is approaching their music to their fan base in a different way. So we know that publicity is one avenue for them to, uh, you know, showcase their music, but it can't just be that because it's a double-edged sword. You can't have press showcasing an artist's music without having the proper marketing or fan engagement to back it. So that's really what I was trying to harp on so much um, during this downtime was not necessarily how do we, uh, you know, like redo our contracts or redo our campaigns and what that looks like because that's taken us so many years to get to where we're at now. Um, but it's really trying to uh, challenge our clients differently to walk into their campaigns thinking what else can be done that basically we generate and stir that pot and then the press are interested in what we're doing. So I've sort of been challenging a lot of our clients right now to think differently. And that's really where 2018 is kind of heading in. It's really great and we can get those um, wonderful press opportunities. That's not a problem, but how can we do this differently? So we kind of walked into 2018. Um, there's a lot of change in Catalyst itself. Um, we've got a great team behind us that is um, really adapting to this new thinking process. And so basically I'm like working on training the team to think like I am and, uh, and it's working. And we're seeing a lot of the benefits from just our clients that we're working with right now really interested in trying to uh, readapt to this new way of thinking. So that's what I'm hoping 2018 kind of entails. Um, really outside of that, we're trying to uh, expand the brand a little bit more and uh, continuing to dabble in different genres and looking at other ways that we can uh, support the industry and even kind of expanding outside of the industry. Um, so a lot of what we talk about um, internally is, you know, we are a publicity company that doesn't mean that we're subjected to just working in music. So I'm excited. I think 2018 is going to be a really good growth for us. It's going to be a good um, building year. And I know professionally for me, I, I just have so many ideas. Like I can't stop like coming up with new ways to kind of either like reinvent the company or, try to figure out other branches and how to kind of parallel all this together. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I feel like there's a lot to come and we're definitely um, hitting our seven year mark, which I think is like that seven year stretch and it feels really good. I finally feel like we're in the spot where we need to, but now we're finally figuring out where to go next. Do you think that you feel like, you, you know how to do this long term now like is seven years enough to be like okay i think i know how to do this like over the long haul because I mean, we definitely hit the age where we think about it that way <laughs> yeah you know it's funny because i i have this back and forth conversation uh internally and then you know family and friends all the time of is catalyst that job for me you know it's it's something that i've created and built and i feel like i have um a really great fan base, I guess, if that even makes sense. But I've got really great clients that continue coming back. And, you know, I look at the longevity of Catalyst and have to know that 
the industry is changing. Whatever that looks like is what it is. And, you know, however PR is changing, media is changing, it's not just in music. It's really all throughout the um, the job of working in PR. So for me personally, um, like I would love Catalyst to continue growing. I'd love for it to continue doing what it's doing. It's supported me for years. And that I think is um, probably one of the coolest things that I probably will ever achieve in my entire life that I started this off as a hobby as like, not really a hobby, but like a freelance opportunity. And now it's turned into something where I have staff and people rely on me and clients rely on me. And that's a very um, important thing to kind of hold. It's no longer just about my happiness. It's about the happiness of the people that work for Catalyst. It's the people that are entrusting in me with their career. And that's a, it's a very heavy thing to weigh on a person. Um, but I've, I've taken it and I feel like I've grown into that position, but I feel like Catalyst where it stands today won't ever be like this again. And I mean that in a positive way, because there's going to be other strategies that we implement into the company and we're going to continue growing, whether it's in music, whether it's outside of music, um, there's just a lot of opportunity and I feel like the partnerships are really endless. So there's a lot that we can really do and, and continue to grow. But I think it's kind of a collective effort within the whole industry with every company that intertwines within it to kind of feel what the next step is going to be for this business. Because with digital streaming, with um, this is accessibility to learn so much about the music industry, it's very difficult to say what's going to happen in six months from now. So I think we all have this responsibility that we have to do good and do honest work and make sure that what we're doing is going to create a healthy environment for this industry and and especially in the independent industry. I can't really, you know, speak for what's happening on on the major sector, but at least for the independent sector, it's, it's important that we're doing honest work. And if we're not, then I feel like there needs to be an educational platform like what we're doing now or, you know, with Holics and trying to educate individuals getting into this industry to make sure that what they're doing is going to help us. Otherwise, we're just going to become the old people (laughs) in the industry and people are just going to have a new generation coming in and shaking things up. And I'm sure I sound very old for saying this, but I'm sure 10 years ago when we started, there are people... 10 years senior to us that probably felt the same way, but it's okay. And that's a part of the industry, right? I think that's how it works. No, I, that, that makes sense to me. I actually talk about this a lot with Holix as of late of where the industry is going and what's happening as it relates to uh, Warp Tour and like the end of Warp Tour. And I don't think mm-hmm. that people really appreciate kind of the economic ripple effect of Warp Tour ending. You know, you know what it means, not just for yeah. tour, tour, but touring, but merchandise sales and label revenue and the ability to employ people based off that label revenue and so on and so forth. I feel like it's one of these, it's this huge cultural and economic shift for especially specifically the alternative industry. And I don't really think people mm-hmm. have talked about that a lot yet, but it's coming. Yeah, it is. It is definitely coming. I mean, I... 
I feel like we wouldn't have survived without Warp Tour. I mean, a large majority of the clients that we work in live in that sector. And a large majority of our clients hired us when they needed press on Warp Tour or they were going on Warp Tour and they wanted supplemental support. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's detrimental. I mean, I even look at um, like so at Music Fest. I mean, they were a client of ours for a few years and this year they took a break to kind of reconfigure and, and figure out what their next step is. But when you look at um, what happens when Warp Tour goes out or festival goes out or publication goes out, it's, it's hard. Like you're saying, it, it definitely is detrimental to a lot of businesses and it's this reshift. And I feel like we're um, at Warp Tour and like a main stage artist plays and then when they finish, you run over to the other side of the stage. I feel like that's what we're doing in this industry. It's just running back and forth, trying to figure out a, what the next trend is and B how to make money. And it's, um, it can get very exhausting. And especially with Warp Tour, um, discontinuing with the format that they're in now, um, makes me sad. I mean, that's the reason why I got into music. I mean, Warp Tour was, one of those festivals where I felt like I could see all my favorite bands in one spot and something I looked forward to every single summer. I knew that it was coming. I called it like warp tour season. And now that that's no longer going to be the case, I really, um, I really hope that they come up with some sort of, not necessarily like a solution for this, but another rendition of whatever warp tour is. I feel like it, it's, it's needed. There's a lot of people that are, um, relying on that. So I don't know, I'm excited to see what it'll be, but I also, from like a business standpoint, I respect Kevin so much for, uh, taking this on and feeling like, you know, he did whatever he needed to, to keep the brand alive and whatever the next step is. I mean, he's a very smart person and I've had the, um, pleasure of, you know, meeting him several times and, talking to him about the industry and speaking on panels together. And it's just um, whatever he's doing, whatever he's cooking up, it's going to be even better. So I think we all have to be patient and kind of wait for that to come. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the future is <clears throat> lies more in something like a, a new warp tour? This is something that I get into a lot with people. I like can, is it possible to establish or I guess develop a new kind of cornerstone of alternative music where everyone kind of gathers that community focal point or is the, I guess the loss of traditional warp tour going to result in a lot more niche communities rising? Like I feel like the, like the biggest benefit of warp mm -hmm. tour was that you could see a band like all time low or day to remember, start on one stage, move up to the main stage and then hopefully cross over into yeah. the mainstream. But if you get rid of warp tour, is it possible to, I guess, what will be the new stepping stone? How do you get out of the pocket? Yeah. I mean, we talk about this a lot with, um, with our clients and even some more established artists of, you know, within the scene of this warp tour recycling bin. So you play warp tour, you take a year off, you play again. That seems to be every other year. That was the trend with warp tour. And I think what happened was because it was such a great culture. And I, I guess I can say it is cause it's not dead yet, but because it's a great culture to be a part of and you can, meet your fans face-to-face. -face. You can travel on a tour and 
be able to play in front of people in a larger capacity than you would in a small venue, because that's being taken away, there has to be something else to subsidize that connection. Um, what I fear, and I, I really hope it doesn't get to, to the point of everybody living online. Like I truly, truly, truly hope that live music does not go away. I don't think it will. I know it won't because there's, you know, a lot of revenue when you play um, shows and go on the road. But I fear that with how crazy, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, our youth are so in tune with online that I'm fearful that if an artist were to do like a YouTube live or stream a show that they're going to have a bigger reach than they would going city to city. And I know that's like contradicting because I know that going online and doing a live show is definitely a great marketing approach. But I fear that, you know, when I was in middle school and I was starting to go to shows and I would meet a band for the first time and have no idea who they were and I would get one of their CDs and go home and play it. And to me, it was the idea of giving money to that band to keep them moving. I'm fearful that that's going to go away. If there's no work tour, are people actually going to go out to shows? Now, on a like smaller scale here in South Florida, um, I would love to see this niche community kind of come together and, and celebrate some of the local um, scene. And so I've been trying to, especially in 2018, one of my goals is to kind of learn more about my surroundings. I mean, I, I live in a big enough area where you would think that the local scene is prominent, but it, it really isn't. I don't know if there's not a lot of like support here or it's just not, um, it's just not there. We have great venues and the venues always sell out. There are always people here, but the local artists, are not either given the platform to shine or they don't know where to go to. So that's kind of one of my goals for this year is to really see this local market thrive because without work tour, where else are they going to go and what else is that going to look like? So I'm worried that um, if nobody's here to kind of manage that, that we might not have that for the future. Absolutely. I, I have the same thought about um, local, local, scenes recently because i saw someone posting a like a one of those fake festival flyers for when i was a kid and like all the bands that i grew up with like the bands from that generation of local groups and i was like i wonder if there if that still exists and i don't think it does but anytime i hear about it like a local band they seem to be like the only local band that sounds like they do in their area and when i ask local when i ask these like new indie rock alt rock bands that are starting to get a lot of hype like i didn't i did an interview last night with one and when i was like what are some bands you know maybe from your area that people should listen to and all the groups they gave me were from all over the place like it's it's very decentralized now it's no longer like oh there are 30 bands in this area and three of them are really good and the rest are pretty terrible but there's a whole community of artists it's like it feels like it's a lot more spread out now than it used to be like there are no scenes yeah. like there's not like that up, well, upstate like new york pocket. yeah like Austin has a great scene. I mean, I feel like every time Blake who works on our team, I feel like every time I talk to him, he's bringing me another Austin band. And I'm like, how are you finding these people? It's because he's booking the shows. He's the promoter. He's managing down there. So I feel like 
for those people that are managing, that are booking, that are promoters, that are doing things to kind of help the live music scenes, like keep showcasing that. Because if we keep continuing to build that market in one of the cities, it's just going to help expand that and kind of showcase that there are still pockets of music all over this country that we really have to adhere to. Now for us here in South Florida, I feel like all I do is try to meet people in the music business. And I'm not really in an area that, that really thrives unless you go down to Miami and and work in Latin music or for like Sony music down here. But that's not really the world that I live in. So I don't know, maybe South Florida can kind of reinvent itself because we did once have a really great scene down here and it was thriving. Now everybody's kind of grown out of that or grown up because unfortunately the music that we live in, it's a very nostalgic thing. Like you and I both being in our early thirties, like living in the early two thousands and having, you know, the starting lines of the world and newfound glories and yellow card. It's very hard to get out of that. So I think it's really our due diligence to kind of reinvent that wheel a little bit so that, you know, if we're still in it and we're still thriving in it, then we have to keep that alive. So that's really what I hope 2018 can be where I find these artists and can give them a platform. It won't be like the early 2000s because that's a very special time, um, you know, and, and set of music that we listen to. But I'm really hoping that we can kind of pull through for today's music. And I don't know if that's possible without Warp Tour, but I'm hoping something comes along because, I mean, without it, I'm I'm fearful that we're living in a YouTube world and YouTubers, and that scares me a lot. Uh, me too. <laughs> Maybe I, that's me being old. No, I, I mean, it bothers me too because I, I often wonder – I often wonder if we're old people and and this is better, but we don't recognize that it's better. But I don't think that it is because I, I, I guess I never feel the same kind of connection or closeness to a band I discover online as one that you would watch in like your friend's basement over the course of several months or years as they learned how to be a band. Now, when, like now when yeah. someone introduces me to a new artist, like by the time someone is sharing your band's music online with someone like you or I, or even just generally you're getting any type of like actual hype, like that band doesn't even go public until they have like a, a nicely recorded demo and they don't have to play any shows mm-hmm. yet. And, or if they do play shows, they can all be a, like, like this group, Barely Civil, which I love, like there's four members and all four of them go to a different school or work somewhere and they like play one show a month, but they're great. And it's like, okay, well that band couldn't exist 15 years ago the way that they do now. But I don't think every band can be like that or should be like that. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I wonder if, I mean, like I grew up, TRL was my thing every day, came home, that new Sum 41 video that was, you jump straight on AIM, talk to your friends about it. That was every single day at four o'clock. I'll never forget that. I wonder if the people in our shoes in the early 2000s and their early 30s felt like that was selling out. And we were like, heck yeah, that was the greatest thing ever. So I wonder if there's this like paradigm shift right now where people our age 10 years ago are looking at this and thinking, wow, okay, like, you know, we once had TRL and we once were able to get it out into the market. We had Warp Tour. Now it's, it's 
way more difficult. I mean, when I would get a demo CD from a client or, or not from a client, from like a random band member selling something outside of a venue, I mean, I hold that near and dear to my heart because they work so hard on it. Now I feel like it's like just such a common thing. Like the internet, unfortunately, has complicated way too many things. And it's no longer rushing home from high school to turn on TRL to watch the top 10 music videos, see your favorite bands perform in Times Square. Now it's, you can kind of go online, you can kind of look at things, but you also are distracted by hundreds of other things. And it's not the same that it was 10 years ago. And I'm worried. I'm worried that we're throwing things on a wall and it's just this never ending wall that is just filled with too much clutter. And it's very difficult to break out of that. And I feel, I feel bad for artists that are, are trying to make it today. And that's where I have this huge conflict of I'm doing all that I can for my artists, but I know what they're up against and it's hard. And I know 10 years ago, they probably felt the same way, but it's very difficult. And, you know, going back to losing Warp Tour, I mean, that is, that's an outlet for people. Now that that's gone, that's very difficult. Like imagine if alternative press shut down, that'd be very difficult. How do you, how do you survive in this world? Did you create really good content and hope that it goes viral? But the only way it goes viral is really if you do something that's YouTube worthy, it's most likely going to cause a stir. People are not going to, um, they're either going to like laugh at it, make fun of you, or, you know, think something differently of just your music. So it's hard. Which route do you go? Do you go the traditional route of doing the right thing and, and like you said, putting the right demos together, the right music together, the right content, and hope that it works? Or do you do something funny for middle schoolers to Snapchat the heck out of it and reshare on YouTube? I mean, I know I sound very old, but it's like there's no professionalism anymore. It's really it's really about doing whatever you can and seeing if it works through the clutter. And I don't know, it's, it's hard. It's very difficult. And I feel for my artists so much, my clients, and I try so hard to make sure that they, you know, know what they're up against and, you know, not to deter people away from getting into this industry, because if that was the case and I sat here for an hour and did that, we wouldn't have an industry anymore and probably would have some very angry industry people that, um, wouldn't agree with that. So I don't know, it's hard. It's this um, devil's advocate that I struggle with a lot. I absolutely do as well. But speaking of educating uh, people about the future and being positive, you are scheduled to appear at launch conference soon, right? Yes, I'm excited. This is my fifth year Dang. going back, which is crazy. Um, I love launch so much. Um, Jeremy and Spencer and Zell, who put on launch with um, Jen Kellogg, who also works with For Finney and Diana um, at TEI, they are um, extremely hardworking. And the reason why I go back every year is because they're reinventing the wheel every week, every year. Every panel um, discussion changes, every way that they put it together changes. And this year, they actually opened it up for 
individuals to come up with their own panel. So similar to how you apply for South by. And um, this year I actually am curating a panel about entrepreneurism, which I'm really excited about because it's something um, I have to sort of step back and think it's not just about being an entrepreneur in the industry or that like I've navigated all the tools to do it. It's about artists really trying to figure out how they can be an entrepreneur and how they can maximize their efforts. And that kind of ties into what we were talking about of kind of navigating through uh, the system and, and knowing what you need. So I'm actually speaking on a panel uh, with Randy Nichols, who um, is an amazing manager and is going to offer a lot of support on how to basically set up your band. There are a lot of things that we don't realize that are needed, like for legal reasons to set up with what happens if a band member leaves or let's say something happens at a show that isn't the best light and you have to go through a crisis communication plan. And then we also have um, Mike Carpenter who's coming to speak about web development and content creation and how to make your band think differently. So I'm excited. I think it's a really cool thing and um, I've known both of them for a long time and I think the conversation is going to be exciting. And then outside of that, um, putting I'm also curating a panel about PR and marketing, of course. And um, Heather from Fearless Records is going to be there as well. So we're going to talk about the difference of basically being an artist, working with the label, and then working independent. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be really great. And I know you're coming too, which I can't wait to see you. So I'm excited. Yeah, I'll be I'll be popping in. That'll be exciting. Um, for people who are listening, uh, what is the best way to keep up with Catalyst and all things Gin Appel? Um, so everything Catalyst, uh, just type in the CatalystPublicityGroup.com. Um, everything is listed there. All of our clients, um, my information is on our website. But definitely uh, go to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Lucy and Jeff, who are on my team. Uh, do such a great job on social media and that's been our major focal point uh, just really within the last couple of months and uh, they really kill it in keeping our clients uh, step up to date and making sure that people can learn more about what we do and we actually just started a blog this year and I'm very excited about it it's just going to be a monthly blog it's through tumblr on our website but we provide little tips and things that we're working on and they're just going to continue to develop throughout the year. So I'm excited. It's very educational on our end. That's great. Anything else? Uh, what's like, what's the next release you're working on? Like, what do we need to be listening to? Oh, goodness. Um, well, let's see. Right now, um, the biggest thing that we are working on, um, which I can't say everything, but we're working with Rude Records, um, which is a phenomenal label out in Europe. And right now we just launched the first artist that we're working with this year, um, the Weekend Classic, and uh, their single just premiered, cut me off with Alternative Press last week, and their album comes out in April. Um, we have another client that we're actually launching with them in two weeks, I believe at the end of this month, and they actually recorded with Will from Cartel. So I'm excited because it's a full circle for us from uh, working with Cartel a couple of years ago. And um, so that's a really great release. And then Rivals, which is a phenomenal band that just uh, released an album last week on Smart Punk. So we're in the midst of promoting that. And then 
next week we have um, His Dream of Lions brand new EP called Pseudo Stars. And that's an independent release. So I'm excited about that. But um, we've got a lot of really great things, mostly um, in the alternative world. But, you know, I love my country and uh, currently working with uh, John Schneider, who was uh, Bo Duke in the Dukes of Hazard, the original one, not the movie. Um, and uh, he's going full on radio in uh, the next month. So I'm excited because so far the reaction has been incredible and we just sort of started the kickoff and he's actually reinventing the wheel not to carry on, but he's releasing one song a week for the entire 52 weeks of 2018. So imagine that for these artists that feel like they can't do anything. You have somebody who has been country music singer for decades, but was able to record 52 songs in one weekend and is releasing everything. Not only as a single, but all have music videos. And he created a um, an online TV show called Artist Studio Access that provides behind the scenes content. So I think that if you have somebody that can do that, then anybody can do anything. So I'll leave at that. That is a lot of information, and I like it. I love hearing how this I know. Is I'm sorry. It's no, it's okay. PR brain. You ask me what I'm doing, and I'll <laughs> give you two hours worth. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. I like hearing that you're so busy. I, I feel like that whenever somebody asks me what I'm working on. It's like I take a deep breath, and then it just kind of all falls out. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't have an elevator pitch. I have an elevator ride. Like, mm. I can't I can't get 15 seconds. It's got to be, like, two hours worth of me just talking and I talk a lot anyway so it's fine you did great you did great I think we've I think we've covered everything and we did it in like 45 minutes that's uh -huh. great I love it I all love right, it perfect. well thank you again no problem thanks for talking to me I want to wish you all the luck I'll see you in April but hopefully we can come up with some other stuff between them you and I need to like do some stuff in Florida so you know yes Flor absolutely Florida <laughs> listeners send Jen and I offers <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're available. Love it. Okay. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon.